Welcome back to week six of Campus to Caching, the official C2C CFF DFS podcast. I was hoping uh, I could get more abbreviations in there, but that's all I could get for now. What's up, Ethan? How are you on this glorious weekday in week six? And we are uh, we're ready to go. We're we're locked in. Uh, we've got a very nice slate. I'm always extra tuned in to DFS when Penn State has a bye week, so I, I just feel a little bit more excitement because I'm not locked in on any one game for a time slot. So extra excited about this uh, this slate we've got going on. Nice. I want to ask you something before we get started here. Um, not. Podcast, or I'm sorry, not CFF related, but have you ever walked out of a week? Uh, have you ever walked out of a meeting and went and immediately bought a six pack and some Powerball tickets? <laughs> you know, uh, not literally, but I think metaphorically, we've all been there. Well, I literally did it an hour ago, <laughs> so I have not started. Everybody, relax. This is this is not a under the influence podcast, but. They're coming later. Oh, that's that's another one. That, on it's right. Yeah, that's a different network. You can find <laughs> that version on. Uh, but awesome. Let's get into it. I mean, this slate just got thrown a wrench um, yeah. with the fact that Devontae Walker is deemed eligible. And of course, he's 3,000 at receiver for the slate. But let's, um, I guess, you know, ultimately, right? Like something like that we have to keep in mind as we're building our rosters, specifically with quarterbacks because of how priced up they are, which I've actually enjoyed for the most part. Uh, but that is a huge impact to it. So I guess that's a good thing to keep in the back of our minds here. But looking at quarterbacks, especially now that we have a, you know, who knows how much he plays, but it's got to be decent enough for 3K. With a yeah. decent value there, what quarterbacks are really sticking in your mind now this week? Yeah, I, I mean, there there are a handful. I always try and find, you know, I try to limit to limit it to around six quarterbacks if I'm I'm building twenty lineups, um, knowing that I'm uh, on a slate this size, I'm I'm going to be playing two quarterbacks in each uh, each lineup, so a, a quarterback in super flex. Uh, this week, you know, I do feel like there's not quite as much value as there have been, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, there are a few guys cheaper that i like but i'm really interested I'll, I'll open us up on conversation here i'm really interested in this ucf quarterback uh opportunity at kansas um i don't know if Plumley has gotten the green light yet um, but if he doesn't to me mclean has been very you know sufficient in his uh in his absence and um, so that game in particular seems like one that um we want to pay particular note to i think both offenses are capable of putting up points. Um, wh what's your take? First of all, there, are you um, comfortable playing the UCF quarterback at either 79 or 77? Um, and, and just what are your thoughts on that game in general? Well, I think the general thoughts here is like, this is definitely, this screams like 35, 31 type. So I definitely feel like internally, I want a piece of this in some way. Um, yeah. Sprinkles across or whatever. You know, for UCF quarterbacks, I have to know who the quarterback is. Like, I, I just yeah. need to know. If I don't know, that's a – I mean, Plumlee is one of those guys that he's so good when he plays, but yeah. he's had so many situations where he's going to play and he doesn't. He doesn't play. He's not going to play and he does. So there is yeah. some risk there. Um, I haven't heard what the deal is. I And the crazy thing is and what makes it difficult to maybe kind of infer what's going on in this game 
is that across the way for Kansas, there's also a quarterback issue with, you know, with Jalen Daniels being hurt. So apparently on Thursday where this will be live Friday morning, but like maybe midday Thursday, some of these lines were like, it was favoring UCF. Mm -hmm. Right. So it, to me, I'm like, okay, why would it be moving that way? And in my eyes, it's more likely that people don't think Jalen Daniels is going to play rather than Plumlee. Uh, is going to play. Those are like how those could potentially work. And I think the latter is just not as likely. I think McLean plays. We probably won't know to the last minute, if at all. But I do like them if we do get some info because, you know, both are runners. Both are very, have been very solid in that uh, Gus Malzahn offense. Is that kind of the same vibe that you're getting? Yeah, for sure. Um, last week, I feel like Jason Bean uh, playing uh, against Texas was kind of a, a shocker, um, kind of a one that I didn't necessarily see coming into it that that he would be playing. So um, definitely keeping everything with a, a grain of salt on, on health statuses coming into this one. But, um, you know, I, I I'm really interested in whether or not this UCF offense can kind of take that next step in consistency as we get into big 12 play. Um, I feel like they're, you know, have the potential to keep pace with anybody in the big 12. Um, But, you know, that kind of remains to be seen on how consistent they'll be. So that was one that definitely jumped out to me. Uh, Obviously high game total um, tied for the highest game total with that LSU Missouri uh, game total. So, um, do you have a, a preference if we're talking either of those two quarterbacks, you know, I guess either of those four quarterbacks, depending on who gets the start, uh, do you have a preference in targeting that spot versus say Brady cook at 7,400? I think I would prefer the Brady cook, just LSU game, just generally speaking, they're, they're both in the same spot, but there's a little bit more risk. But yeah. with that being said, right, there's more upside potentially because you're going to get lower ownership, right? Like one of, I think maybe let's say my, t- I could probably say it right. Like my top quarterback is going to be Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Guy's incredible. He's yeah. all over the place. It seems like he's a better passer. He's got two elite receivers that are easy to stack. Yeah. Like that whole game, I think you could, especially now that we have Walker, I legitimately think you could stack both quarterbacks and then also have you know in total five players from that game but i think that'll be very common so i think i like cook though for sure i mean he's a guy that's been super efficient with this with a stud receiver it's just hard not to like it and their run game is kind of pedestrian so if they get in a game similar to that Ole miss game that is going to be just absolute batshit crazy yeah i don't know if i i don't know if i think that lse's going to be in that many games like that Ole Miss game that kind of felt like it was like the, the perfect storm last week. Um, but you know, I, I've kind of been coming around on this Missouri offense and playing them more and more as the season has gotten, uh, longer. Um, there's just something about, you know, like you said, the ownership of Brady cook, I'm, I'm really curious to see what that looks like. I do think the Tez news does inflate the ownership of the higher price guys on this slate at quarterback um, because you do have a, a 3K free slot in there. Um, I do think particularly as well, I think Drake May is going to be a, a more popular 
option because of that as well, because, you know, obviously paying that extra 500 for him over Daniels. Um, I think Daniels is going to be way more heavily owned than May. Um, but with Devontae's Walker being eligible, all of a sudden you have a really cheap stack that's probably going to be appealing to some people. Um, so I, I could go either way. I, I don't feel too passionately about um, about Missouri, um, but Jaden Daniels for sure has he's he's the top name I have written down as well. So I'm I'm really curious to see how that plays out this week. So we're both on Daniels as the top guy. Yeah. Um, I think probably the next best quarterback comes from the Texas OU game. Is that a fair guess? Um, I don't have it that way, but I can see the argument for it. Um, I assume, I assume you like Gabriel more than yours. Is that correct? That's correct. Although I will admit, you know, and this is kind of like with Cam Ward, I think ultimately I will be wrong. I'm doing bunny ears for those (laughs) that are not able to, to see it. Uh, I will be wrong on both of them, but only because they just started running out of nowhere. Right? Like, Quinn Ewers is good for 15 to 20 rushing yards a game, but he's getting touchdowns, you know, and Cam Ward has been productive on the ground as well, getting touchdowns. So it's one of those things where like the passing wasn't necessarily enough, isn't necessarily enough, but they're doing enough running. So I do like Ewers more than normal. And Gabriel to me has even better rushing upside ability. I think we've seen a hundred yard rushing game before from him in the past, not this year. And then, you know, he's had such a strong season and he's played like, 60% 60% or 70% of the game so far. So I think this one has like real shootout yeah. potential. And, you know, I think everybody's in my head, I'm like, man, I don't want to miss out on that LSU Ole Miss game. You know, that type of thing where you just, if you don't have yeah. it, you lose. Right. So that's in my head, I'm thinking what game could be that. And I think that would also be a, a chalky um, thought process there as well. Yeah. I, you know, you, you mentioned the name of the guy who I, I have as my QB2 this week is, is Cam Ward um, at 8,600 at, at UCLA. Um, I, I get the thoughts, though, on that Red River rivalry game. Uh, Gabriel, I've, you know, everybody's kind of dogging this OU team, and it's been um, pretty well established, I think, throughout the community that, that Texas is the team to beat in the Big 12 this year. Um, but I mean, OU never goes into a game thinking that they're the underdogs or thinking that they're playing second fiddle, especially to, to UT. So, um, I think Gabriel who he missed last year's right. He, he was knocked out like yeah. a week before. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, concussion or something like that. And he, they uh, rolled out the backup, but just got shellacked. Yeah, pummeled. D- Davis Bevel or somebody like that was mm-hmm. <laughs> in there. That was miserable. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, Gabriel comes in with enough motivation and enough, you know, fight that he's he's willing to uh, go all out and, and play a little Superman ball, a little hero ball to to make that happen. Um, and honestly, I feel like that's when Gabriel's at his best <laughs> when when he feels like he needs to put the team on his back. So uh, I like I, I like Gabriel. Um, I think that he's going to be pretty chalky. I think Daniels and Gabriel are two of the chalkier um, guys to play this week. Uh, but for for very valid reasons, so I'm I'm there. But um, pivoting over to uh, the guy who I, I do have a second is Cam Ward, um, 8600. I feel like this is the first time we've gotten him on the main slate. I could be wrong. We might have had him once once earlier in the season, but um, 
you know, things are just finally starting to click with him uh, and that offense. Uh, being able to see, uh, I think they, were, they had a bye week last week, but the week before last, um, being able to see him start to connect on that deep ball was something that it's, it, we use this expression a lot, but it was that happy Gilmore learning how to putt uh, moment for that offense. And um, with Lincoln Victor going down, uh, I feel like we actually have options that are good to stack with Ward. Um, I'm going to be rolling a lot of Josh Kelly this week. Um, I don't hate uh, playing Kyle Williams with him uh, either. Um, so I think there are a lot of options here. And um, I think it was Nate who was pointing out in the chat how uh, nonsensical the UCLA pass defense ranking is right now just because they've had some really mm-hmm. – weak competition through the air. Um, so I'm not afraid of that that red seven that is next to UCLA's name in the opponent rank uh, right there. I think that Cam has a great opportunity to uh, put up a, a ton of points. Um, but, you know, what, what what's your take on that game? And are you targeting a quarterback on either side of that game? I think, well, I'm definitely not targeting UCLA quarterback Dante Moore. Uh, but Washington State, you're right. Like Cameron Ward... I mean, when you go 20 to 34 against Oregon State, like that's just impressive. Like when it yeah. comes down to it, Oregon State's not the Oregon State of years ago, right? Like they are a legitimate top 20 team in my eyes. So when yeah. you do that with such a big performance, you have a little bit of rushing upside. You know, he scored some touchdowns. He's going to be positives, which is a lot better than some of these quarterbacks can say. Um, and then he's got good stacking options. You know, like we didn't mention it, like, but Carlos Hernandez got eight yeah. targets I think last game and Kyle Williams seven and Josh Kelly 13. So like when you get these kind of higher price guys, it just can be difficult to stack. And, you know, like a guy like Ward, you definitely have to stack because ultimately yeah, sure. he hits based on 300 plus um, passing yards. So I like him, and I don't, I'm not worried at all about the, the matchup. Like you mentioned with Nate's comment, like they just really haven't played anybody. So not worried there about, um, about how that might turn out, but, yeah. What about cheaper guys? So feels like maybe pivoting to a cheaper option would be the way to get a little bit lower owned. Is is that kind of your take on how to get a little bit mm, I th- against the chalk? Yeah. I think this week, now that we know the Devontae Walker, Devontae's Walker news, that the um, the ability to be able to have that value at wide receiver makes finding the value quarterback a little bit less important. Um, but traditionally, yeah, finding that cheap quarterback really is the way to unlock any slate. Um, so we've already kind of touched on, on some of the cheaper guys that I had mentioned or I had written down here. Um, I feel like a broken record each week though, talking about Hudson card this week, they're at Iowa. He is 5,600, which I believe is the cheapest he has ever been. Um, that Iowa defense, I mean, playing in Kinnick is always a little bit of a risk, um, because Iowa just plays better at home. Everybody plays better at home. So that defense feels like they're, um, a harder matchup when you're, you're playing in Kinnick. Um, and Hudson card kind of fell on his face last week against, uh, Illinois from a fantasy perspective. Um, not necessarily to his own, uh, play or anything like that, but just, they were up so early and didn't need to throw the ball a ton to win that game. So um, I think that this, this is a play where I might be getting a little too cute trying to outsmart Vegas. 
Um, but at 5,600, I mean, he's one of the few guys I feel comfortable with that's 6K or below. I do think that's a little cute, but I, I will give you my cute play because I think, in a sense, you do have to kind of divert and go against the grain a little bit. I think Gavin Wimsat is viable if you want to get a little weird, for sure. Like, Wisconsin doesn't – I mean, that's a good defense. They were crazy good against uh, Georgia Southern and that like 100 turnover game from Davis Brin. But I'm interested to see if Wimsat can maybe take another step up and produce a little bit more. There's not a ton of cheap options, but I think one legitimate option, a little homerism here is Kyron drones. Yeah. Um, reason why I say that is, you know, maybe the original let's get weird play was Thomas Castellanos and it worked so well yeah. against Florida state. I think drones is just going to run so much. You know, yeah. that's like a 15 to 20 carry guy. You, you know, the receivers for tech are getting healthier and healthier. Maybe Ali Jennings comes back in a couple of weeks. We'll see. But it's hard not to consider him a little bit. I definitely don't feel great about it, right? They're like over yeah. three touchdown underdogs. Four State, I'm not necessarily like hard stop against a Florida State defense, but they have a lot of talent out back there, right? So, yeah. You don't necessarily want to just sign up for a bunch of that, but I definitely will have about 5% drones, maybe a little bit more depending on how things shake out. But you're right, right? Like the Walker News, a guy like Carlos Hernandez, these are ways that you can kind of get cheaper and then you don't have to yeah. necessarily worry about a drones. But yeah, I, uh, I was a little surprised, honestly, to hear you say whims at because I assumed that you were just going to go straight to drones. Um, just well, real quick was, off the off the cuff, do you think that, the Wisconsin defense is a more difficult matchup than the Virginia Tech matchup that Wimsat played earlier this year. I would say yes. Wisconsin's defense is definitely better than Virginia Tech. Okay. I haven't seen a lot of Virginia Tech. I know Brent Pry, the defensive guy. I still feel like he doesn't have the pieces that he needs there to be successful necessarily. But, I mean, he put up which, 20, I'm wishing 20 for the points best against for Virginia Tech. So. What was that? Yeah. I said I'm wishing for the best for him. And he's a little bit against the grain for me and like um the guys that I typically like. He's way more efficient, Wimsat is, than he is volume. So we'll see. It's an interesting uh quarterback group. I would say just if I was gonna mention one other guy, I think like Garrett Schrader makes sense in like cash games. Yeah. Um, you know, Kate Klublick, I guess, in cash games, but he's his price is creeping up where it does, it makes less and less sense, especially with the other options that we have. But you gave me a real quick off, uh, offhand comment earlier about uh, Dante Moore, but no Dante Moore, even in uh, Cam Ward stacks. No, you know, how much are they really going to put on him? You know, like how much a true freshman, how much are they really going to like force him to be like a guy that's going to be worth it? He is very yeah. cheap. 6k uh, has me has me a little bit intrigued but i can understand I, the I agree intrigue. overall i can understand the intrigue um i just am not going to go that way um yeah <laughs> it, it's hard to look past this 10 for negative 51 yards in this last Completely. game Completely. uh so that's just a little bit tough to swallow but uh running back group um yeah. i think there's a superstar that pops really well for me in projections. He's also the highest priced guy on the board. Shockingly, Braylon Allen is, is I would consider him my top running back. I believe. What yeah, about he's, you? He's mine for sure. Just with having Malusi go down. 
I wanted to to talk it out and see if you had any thoughts on Phil Longo and if you think he's going to try and rotate another guy even at half the volume that Malusi got before, um, or if this is truly just going to be back to Braylon is our de facto running back at all times. I think it's not going to be just a straight up all Braylon Allen show. I have a little bit of a different take maybe on this. I think we see Tanner Mordecai run a little bit more than uh, that he has, or than um, he has in like past years. Yeah. He's run really pretty well. Like I was impressed. Yeah. I think it was the Southern game where he had two rushing touchdowns and he moved, yeah. he was moving really well. Um, yeah. So I like, I like Braylon Allen, obviously, because the running back room is now very thin. Like they're not going to play Jackson Acker to the level yeah. of Chesma Lucy. And Ches was getting like snaps early, like first drive, second drive. So I don't think that'll happen. That's for sure. Yeah. I think this gives a little bit more of a boost to, to Tanner Mordecai though. Um, for sure. Yeah, that makes sense completely. One thing I I would say with him is, with Braylon Allen is, you know, I think the volume is going to go high, like 55 to 65% of team carries, but I think the target share drops pretty drastically. Um, Last, you know, the first two games of the year, he had like seven targets in a row, like two games of seven targets. He has three targets in the last two games, and I think we see more of that. I don't know what happened in those, but I can't imagine now that they're going to, throw to him out of the backfield on top of giving him probably 25 carries. I mean, I'd love it. It's a nice little safety net, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I I'm trying to think back to like Javante and Michael Carter. And I feel like there was a stretch where one of them was the only guy in the backfield. It was only for like a week or two. Um, I, I mean, there was a slam dunk though, those weeks <laughs> when one of those guys yeah. had, had the backfield of themselves. So, um, I will probably eat some chalk with, with Braylon Allen. I think he's going to be a, a healthy chalk player in across the board. He's, he's a slam dunk in cash for sure. So, um, and these other, bit, go ahead. Yeah. I was just gonna say the other top guys just don't, there's not a lot of high price guys, period. Right. There's only two guys over seven K um, and Travion Henderson. Yeah. I just can't trust. So like, to me, a lot of the targets are in this like middle five to six K range. That chunk that's like, gosh, probably like 15 guys in that, <laughs> that, uh, that grouping. But I will say before we move off Trivion, um, he's been fairly consistent. Uh, I mean, weeks two through four, 21.5, 24.5, Um, And against varying levels of competition, I was surprised that he uh, was so heavily utilized against Notre Dame um and performed well um but yeah i mean at, at 7400 you're really looking for somebody who's going to be a little bit higher of a ceiling um and i think that is the one thing for for henderson i don't think that he's got the um slate breaking potential that say braylon does at his price yeah and i think you can find similar lower for cheaper yeah so with with maybe with definitely more upside so like it I definitely, right? Like if you're in redraft and all these things, like you 100% play in without an issue, but from yeah. a DFS perspective, you have to take other things into account, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's let's start discussing some of these, these middle tier guys. Um, one guy that I have highlighted, and it's more of a backfield that I've highlighted as opposed to one particular guy, um, but Florida running backs this week against Vanderbilt. 
Uh, we've got uh, Montreal Johnson at 5,800 and Etienne, who is questionable for this game at 5,400. Um, what are your thoughts on the backfield there? I do not like how much I like the backfield. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Etienne, I think, is a great option, but he's questionable. I will yeah. use, I will be rolling out too much Montreal Johnson. And the reason why I say that is because I think I'm up on the season and props strictly because of Montreal Johnson and the yeah. unders that I've consistently bet. <laughs> uh, him and those Iowa receivers are the best to bet unders on. But I, I like him. I mean, the price is is very uh, appealing. Um, you know, you get below kind of those guys and it gets a little bit weird in terms of your yeah. options. So they also pose as nice, like the best salary relief. I would, you know, it's, I think... I don't even know, man. It's, if ATN doesn't play, then Montreal Johnson is a slam oh, yeah. dunk. Uh, but Fourth, I also am curious, yeah. like about Webb, the the third running back. It's fair, yeah. What I think he would get a good bit of run. I think he would actually play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Florida comes in with the fourth highest game or team total on the slate. Uh, home favorites playing Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt not bad enough this year, where I feel like Florida is ever gonna run away with it and be sitting starters. Um, so, I, I mean, that just seems like a smash spot. Um, Agreed. The health situation is is a recurring theme. We, we're getting to the point of the season where everybody's starting to, to have some some bruises and some bumps going on, and they got to pay close attention to the, the news. Um, but I, I do like that backfield quite a bit. If you had to choose one of uh, Montreal or LaQuint Allen – Who's the same price? Yep. Do you have a preference there? Uh, cash, I'd play LaQuint. Uh, tournament, I'd play uh, Johnson. Good answer. I like that. Yeah, yeah I think LaQuint's <laughs> about as safe as it comes. He's The price tag is nice, of course. You know, it feels like even when he's not productive on the ground, he makes up for it through the air, right? Like yeah. six catches last week against Clemson, only 50 rushing yards, but he still hits 20 points. So, I think that's a perfect way to do it, right? Because with Garrett Schrader, man, he just will steal touchdowns. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think Allen's upside definitely is limited. But, you know, I wouldn't have any issue, period, playing Allen in tournaments because I think I will probably see a decent bit of lineups with both of those running backs in it. But I think yeah. if you were to only use one of each, I think you nailed it. Yeah. Um, going with the uh, back to the Red River rivalry. Um, how do you feel about rolling Jonathan Brooks this week at 6,700? Obviously he's coming off of a smash performance himself, um, last week against Kansas. Do you feel like he is the superstar in this matchup for Texas? He's gotta be right. Like, how do you, you know, you could say Baxter was limited last week. Like maybe they wanted to ease him in or something, right? Like I, there was something in the back of my head said that that was certainly possible. Um, but, I mean, how do you watch last week's game and if you're a coach at Texas and then not let Brooks get 15 to 20 touches again? Like, it just would seem yeah. criminal not to do that. Especially in the biggest game of the year for your fan base. Like, you don't you don't run away from what just blew the top off your offense. So, I have full, full agree there. Um, on the other side of the ball, are you interested at all in – uh, sooner running backs. Uh, I know Barnes coming in questionable, but we've got that weird rotation that we've seen since the beginning of the year. Never. 
no, there's just too many mouths to feed. And, you know, the guy that seems to be getting the most run is Marcus Major. And, you know, like he just isn't appealing. You know, he's just 5,400, 15 to 20 touches, and he gets like 10 to 12 points. Like, I just don't see there's too yeah. many guys, right? Like, Toby Walker could come in and steal a touchdown. If Barnes is playing, it gets even worse. So, you know, that in that game, I'm looking at really the running backs for Texas and the passing game for Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, Jatavian Sanders is a huge injury that we need to monitor going into it yeah. because I think, um, I think I like the Texas receivers just generally. I love them if Sanders is out because yeah. I think AD Mitchell and Weaver or worthy could get insane numbers. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes total sense. Um, I'm trying to find some value guys here that, that I like, but it's kind of, kind of gross. I think you, you hit uh, on Treyon Webb, um, Florida running back. If uh, we do see that injury to ETN, keeping him out of the game, he's 4,300. So, Definitely a favorable price there. Um, is there anybody that you're looking at particularly uh, in the value plays? So, all right. So you get weird and weirder. So the first one is Chip Tranum, the Ohio State running back. Okay. He's pretty much a lock for like six to 10 touches. And that's about it uh, is yeah. the problem. Um, but he's a great running back, as we saw at Arizona State. And then he comes in at the end of the season last year and was productive. So I... 4,100 is a little steep. I don't imagine I get much of him, but if there was a guy that I like was searching for, that would probably be one that fit the mold. Demond Claiborne yeah. from Wake Forest. I don't like using running backs against um, Clemson, especially if they're in a, a committee, especially if they don't really provide like receiving threat. Like at least Laquin, I liked Laquin Allen, generally speaking, last week because he can do that through the air. Right. Uh, I don't know if Clearbone can do that, but he will get 10 to 12 carries, you know, and yeah, at 3,300, maybe, maybe they surprise us and he seems to be the better running back. Maybe they surprise us and give him 15 to 18 and then you love that. But that's just a tough enough matchup where I'd have to be a little desperate to do that. Yeah, I do have a little bit of hope that they know that they're coming into a game where their offensive line is their biggest liability against a pretty decent Clemson defensive line. I mean, Clemson is known and for years now has been producing top end defensive line talent. Um, maybe that wakes them up a little bit to say, Hey, we need to get the screen game going. We need to hit our, uh, our backs out of the backfield. Um, but on the flip side of that, there's also the chance that they get stuck in, Hey, we need to keep our running backs into block because they're just beating us up all day. Um, so Kind of a, a, a catch-22. There's there's not really a, a safe edge to find with that matchup uh, being what it is. But, uh, but yeah, 3300 for Claire, Claiborne is totally a, a, a bargain. Is, is there a running back that jumps out to you that we haven't talked about? Not really. Um, I do have a little bit of interest in Devin Neal. Um I at 6,300. I mean, he's just him and Harvey both are guys who are one touch monsters who can just take it to the house on any given play. Um, mm -hmm. So I mean, I, there's always some interest there. Those are those honestly are the the guys that I really try and target in tournaments are the 
the electric ones. Um, I think both of those, 63 for Neil, 61 for Harvey. Harvey, I do have a little bit of concern with his usage. Uh, I feel like it's taken a little bit of a nosedive, but um, I am fully on the RJ Harvey train, uh, both in daily and uh, dynasty, CFF, C2C, all of that. So. Yeah, Harvey, I think there's some guys here in the middle that like have interesting situations that we should follow and then maybe at some point make a decision, right? Like it's going to be this way or that way. And that's how I'm going to play my yeah. rosters. Uh, you mentioned RJ Harvey. So I'll start there. You know, he seemingly ran about like 35% of touches two weeks ago. And then last week he has 21 carries and he's, I think he's in the forties to maybe fifties in terms of usage. Yeah. Um, if that happens, if we get the last week production, that's an incredible upside with a uh, good yeah. value there. Carson Steele. So Carson Steele pro uh, pops pretty well for me. Um, he has limited usage in terms of like 35-ish percent, which is a little bit atypical for me, like I've said. Yeah. But he pops, man. This offense is, I think, definitely good enough to score a good bit points against Washington State. 15 carries for him or 15 touches for him could easily be 20 points. So I think he's in play. Um and I was thinking there was one more guy. Maybe like a Nakia Watson is intriguing. Last year, he seemed to be so good week over week. This year, not as much. You wonder if it's just the emergence of Cam Ward and then maybe wanting to pass more yeah. or utilize a, a, a running back group that is more friendly to passing more, whether it's third round blocking or coming out of the, the backfield. So... I would keep an eye on him. I think he's got some decent upside and he hasn't shown anything. If we're going to pick somebody like that. Yeah. I feel like um, to touch on, I touch on both of those guys. So Steele, I definitely love the idea of him being the passing down back. And I think that UCLA is going to be down for the majority of this game and um, finding him in the passing game could prove very beneficial for that offense. Um, so I'm, I'm all in favor there. Um, despite some some usage concerns, and then um, as far as Nakia Watson, I am I am a full out on him. Um, I somebody I forget who brought this up. Somebody mentioned in the Slack back in the off season about really getting a chance to test the um, different spread uh, or not spread, but the different air raid philosophies. Um, having the Texas Tech philosophy and then the Western Kentucky philosophy. And seeing Cam Ward now under the Western Kentucky philosophy with Arbuckle being there and how that differs from the Texas Tech philosophy because it's more vertical and much more downfield. And the Texas Tech uh, Mike Leach philosophy utilizes um, more underneath routes and more timing routes and utilizes the running back a little bit more in the yeah. passing game too. Um, so I think we're seeing that play out throughout the season and seeing that um, you know, the Arbuckle raid is just a much more aggressive. And so uh, Watson isn't getting the same kind of usage. But um, if we do see any sort of switch or transition back there or, you know, say UCLA's defense, passing defense is a little bit more stout um, and they have Ward checking it down and, and trying to make him connect. Because honestly, that's how you're going to beat Cam Ward is make him make him beat you underneath consistently, because a lot of times I don't think he can. Um, hence what we saw last year, but and scheme wise, they, they just, everything lines up for that, that vertical passing attack. And 
doesn't leave many crumbs for Watson. I think that makes complete sense. Um, because they did some shifting with the coaching staff, right? And yep. I think we, if you can even envision it at Texas Tech right now, you can see some similar, some yeah. major differences and similarities to what you just mentioned. And over our overall group thought there at running back is like, it feels pretty thin and there's, yeah. it feels like there's a lot of receiver options maybe instead. Uh, Very different from at previous first, weeks. Yeah. And I think we only have 12 games this week compared to like 14 in the past. I wonder yep. if that maybe has something to do with it, but looking at receivers, I think it's kind of hard to pick like a top guy. Cause there's just, yeah, to there's, me, there's, there's like three or four that are yeah. really incredible options. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Anytime Ohio State is on the slate, like you get immediately grab, we want to gravitate towards their their guys and Harrison Jr. and Ibuka. Um, outside of those guys, though, I am really excited about Luther Burden this week. Um, he is a nice sixty nine hundred, and I mean he's just been electric. Um, definitely lived up to the billing of um, a electric playmaker for them. Um, and they've been really funneling him the ball well. Um, I, 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 I'll kind of group them together because I, I, they're on their teammates. But uh, he and Theo Weiss are guys that I think I'm going to have probably more than I should in my lineups this week. Um, but I really like both of them against LSU. Do, would you have liked Weiss as much this week? if Ole Miss just didn't do what they did last week? Like, did Ole Miss's, Ole Miss's performance last week impact your thoughts on Weiss? Uh, I think a little bit, for sure. Um, I have I've liked Weiss as a compliment and a little bit of a pivot off burden for the past few weeks now. Um, so I, I do think that seeing the way that, that Ole Miss exploited them definitely plays a factor in it. I'm a little less squeamish to play against LSU now. Um, but that being said, I think just as equally as that played into it, seeing the way that Theo Weiss was able to carve out more of a role for himself and take advantage of his targets last week against Vanderbilt um, is equally as compelling of an argument as to why I want more of him. I think it's hard not to let that play into your mind, but I, I think it's about, I think it's a valid play period. I think, Mookie Cooper to me is also a little interesting. He's a little cheaper. He's definitely not going to be that high owned at all. For sure. Um, yeah. And he's, he's really just a touchdown away from being a great option, right? Like yeah. five, three and four catches the last three weeks, 50, about 180 yards, 190 yards over those three games, fairly consistent. It's just like, is he not reaching the end zone because they're not targeting him? And if so, is it for a reason, right? My guess yeah. is that it's probably for a reason because they want to look at Luther Burden, which is completely fair. Yeah. But if that if you're thinking of a way to maybe pivot against the grain a little bit there, that's probably a way to do it. But ultimately, all the the elite options are truly from this game, right? Yeah. Like Luther Burden, incredible play. You don't even need to spend time on it. It's just like if you've seen him play, if you've seen the the, the targets, the snaps, et cetera, it makes so much sense. Yeah. You know, Brian Thomas has been yeah. shockingly crazy impressive this year Ridiculous, if you had told yeah. me he has more fantasy points per game than neighbors i would have said never but yeah. he does yeah and they're way too cheap this week too like 65 for neighbors and 61 for thomas like what the hell DraftKings intern what are you doing like 
Uh, I feel like those guys could easily be an extra thousand more expensive and have that just make sense. Yeah, the fact that they're kind of this middle-ish pricing in terms of like five to six K is just surprising to me. But they'll be very heavily owned. I was playing around with just like early builds of like 150 lineups, and yeah. I think like neighbors and burden were around 35 to 40 percent, and Thomas was around 25 percent, and that was pre walker news so let's talk a little bit about tez walker um i guess my first question is do you think he i should say maybe what kind of usage or what kind of snaps and playing time does he get in this first week back um i don't well he'll be on a pitch count to the extent of they want to get him they want to make sure that he's he's back in football condition mode but I mean, it's not like he sat out all offseason waiting for the news. They were anticipating him playing up until week one when he was finally denied that waiver. Um, so, I I mean, I think it, he'll be pretty much full systems go um, unless – which would really surprise me, unless he's just really not been involved in, in any capacity of staying in football shape for the past – four or five weeks you know um what about you i think this is a unique scenario um i think he plays 50 percent of his typical snaps but i think his okay. targets will be like his target rate will be 50 percent compared to 25 percent. you know yeah. so i think he might get near the same usage and uh with limited snaps What's the target number? If you said, what's the lowest, you know, like how, how low would you go type of thing in terms of like uh, the game show? How, yeah. What's the lowest amount of targets you would want from him at 3K? Like at what point do you say I'm out? Lowest I would want or lowest that I think he would get? Lowest you would play him at? Uh, probably... It's right in between six and seven, I feel like, okay. is, is where I feel comfortable with him. I I don't think that the Syracuse defense is a pushover, per se. Um, but I do think that to really feel like he's going to get me 50 yards and four receptions and I have a shot at a touchdown... I feel like we need six or seven targets. Granted, he doesn't need that. I, and I, I do think that that's really, I, I think that six would be the lowest I would say that he is going to get. I think that they're going to utilize him fairly regularly and fairly heavily. Yeah, I think my number is five because he's 3K. Yeah. And because he's just uber talented, right? Like he can do a lot with a little type of thing. And it also helps that the, the options at the bottom of the pricing are just not all that great, especially yeah. when you add in running backs. So maybe that number is five, but it also helps that Drake Mays is quarterback. You know, 100%. like yeah. he's getting five targets from a top 10 draft pick. He's not getting five targets yeah. from Deacon Hill, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a different story there. Um, but you like a you guy know, who gets five targets from Deacon Hill, don't you? <laughs> If it's Eric All, of course, yeah. If it's a, if it's a big old white <laughs> tight exactly end, I'll count Eric me all. in. Yeah, I don't care who's throwing the ball to him. 
Yeah. Uh, I just love Iowa tight ends, man. They've just treated <laughs> me well in my career, but uh, what, what maybe name a receiver that you would pivot? Like if you were trying to get a little bit um, diverse and yeah. fade one of these superstar receivers in the 6k range, which guy would you change to? Which guy would you switch to in the, the 6k range? Um, let's see. I think Will Shepard is an interesting one um, at 5,700 um, at Florida. I think they're going to have to throw the ball a bit. I think that if there's a game that any SEC team is not going to have their focus on and be really dialed in for, it's going to be Vanderbilt and they have the talent to take advantage of that this year. Um, I don't know if this is a cheating answer because I'm, I'm not convinced that he's going to be chalk this week. But Andrew Anthony is also interesting at 6,100. Um, yeah, I I think I know where you would go with this question, but I'm going to toss it right back at you. What what guys are you uh, looking at that you, you might get a little weird with and diversify with? Well, I think I think you think I'm going to say Johnny Wilson, right? Uh, I Honestly, I was going to say any of the Florida State I yeah, I was going to say, uh, and ultimately my <laughs> response was going to be, yeah, I think either Keon Coleman or Johnny Wilson make a lot of sense. Yeah. They have in, they have great upside. They've shown to be fairly consistent besides that one game. Keon Coleman sure. did literally nothing at Boston College. Yeah. Um, I think I if I wanted to, you know, I don't know if I need to get too crazy because I think both of those are priced so close to the others that they're going to be low-owned in my eyes. Um, yeah. But I think Johnny Wilson, man, it, you know, He's gotten a good bit of targets. Yeah. He's a huge frame. I mean, he they don't use a ton of receivers at Florida State. Yeah, that's and he doesn't have a touchdown, which is insane. Yeah. It's week six and he has no touchdowns. So I think he's he's due for some regression or some uh some variance in the positive fashion yeah. here. So I like Johnny Wilson a decent bit as a pivot. Yeah. You gotta love that that gambler's fallacy of him being due, but it's hard he's not due, to you know. Yeah, it's hard not to uh, gravitate towards that. I, I totally get it. Yeah. Well, um, counterpoint: I was I was due for about two and a half years of my baseball career at the end. So, and it, <laughs> and it never happened. So, man, yeah, th- that was your selling point, though, to to the scouts, right? This guy's due. He's he's gonna make it happen. Do man. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do like your Andrew Anthony. I like the Jalil Farouk. Um, yeah call out i think those guys can make a lot of sense i said it earlier i like the oklahoma passing game i think they're yeah. gonna have to keep up and i don't think they're gonna do it via the running game yeah and i think both those options are really good you know i was hoping that like nick anderson would be cheaper uh yeah. nate made a mention of him getting more usage and i looked and his it truly is like his snap counts gone up you wonder if that's just a blip or if it's gonna be something consistent he's right. got insane efficiency numbers so i'm curious to see his his um, production in this one, but I probably won't have much of them just because of too many unknowns, too many options now. And his price is just a little bit steeper than I'd like it to be. Yeah. Um, one thing I, that I want to touch on before we start wrapping up, I know we've got a little bit of time here, but I think we need to talk about the difference in a free square wide receiver versus a free square at running back and how that necessarily factors into how you're building lineups this week. Um, what, what are your thoughts there as opposed, I know earlier in the season, we've had Rasheen Ali at super cheap prices. Um, does the variance of the position make that much of an impact for you? And if it does, 
how does that factor into this specific situation um, with a guy who we think is talented and can probably overcome that variance? Is is Tez Walker, who you're thinking is like more of the closer to free square than we've had? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I think there's a difference. Um, if you're talking like a, like a Chuck Sizzle last year when he was like 4,500 and they stopped and repriced everything, that's yeah. a free square to me. Um, yeah. Because that, you know, when you take like a high upper tier guy, like a burden or a neighbors, Brian Thomas, if they were like 4,700, that's a free square. Yeah. With the way that this, the variance that comes into this is that we don't have any idea what's going to happen with Walker. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of question marks, but if we're going to blanket it, just generally speaking, just looking at the positions, yeah. to me, running back is always guaranteed carries unless something weird happens, or like an injury or something, right? Like Rashina Lee was a free square because starting running back doesn't really matter the matchup all that much. It was yeah. a decent enough matchup and he's a stud. Yeah. You know, so if you're going to price a receiver like that, it can get a little bit closer to the free square, but I'm just a little bit weary. There's a, you have to rely on somebody else, right? With the passing game. So what are, what is kind of your take on the, the two? Yeah, I, it's harder for me to say that a wide receiver is truly a free square because there is that variance with target share and it's just a lot more volatility at the position. Um, that being said, I, I, still think that Tez is pretty close to a free square um, just with the offense that he's a part of and his presumed role coming in at the beginning of the season. North Carolina was always going to have him as their, their wide receiver one um, on his, his first week. I mean, he was the poster child for that passing attack and for um, Drake May's weapons. Uh, they made a concerted effort to go out and get him. And they made an even stronger effort to make sure everyone knew how upset they were when his waiver was denied. Um, on principle alone, I think Mac wants to get these guys. I mean, he wants to get Walker a touchdown this week. I think that they will be scheming ways to get Walker the ball in the red zone. Um, and I think that honestly, his ownership is probably not going to be high enough because I, like you said, I think at the position, I think that a lot of people don't feel that he's necessarily is a free square because of the, the question marks that surround him. That being said, I'm really interested in how I haven't really built any lineups this week. I, I looked at the pricing um, a little bit and, and played around with it. Um, but the more I get into it, the less I really love the running back position and the more I feel like a 3K Walker flex spot makes a ton of sense um, with this, this build. Uh, um, because if you're getting one of your wide receivers for 3K and you know that he's probably pretty good shape to get 10 to 15 points as a floor, um, I, I feel really pretty comfortable with that. I feel okay with that. To me, that feels about what I would expect in a mid-range, like a 4K, maybe a, a $4,500 running back, um, which is probably what you'd need to do if you're playing th three running backs on the slate and paying up for quarterback. So I don't know. Are, what kind of 
lineup construction are you looking at this week with with the way that running backs are a little bit more thin than we've seen and with so many great wide receiver options? Uh, so I'm seeing myself do a lot of two very, I would say like very mediumly high price to high priced, right? Like that 7,500 to the top end, two yeah. of those guys mix in a LaQuint or Montrell at running back plus, yeah. you know, another 6k guy, maybe, maybe sprinkle and Braylon based on the receivers. And then I, I ultimately think, you know, Devontae's will be found a lot in my lineups. Um, yeah. alongside some studs, um, you know, where I don't, where I veer away from that, I have to go a little bit higher, obviously in the price tags and, um, I'll give two names and a tease. So one of them is super risky, but of course we got to throw someone out there random, right? CJ Williams, yeah. Wisconsin, his big recruit transfers to Wisconsin, saw a pretty good amount of targets last week. Let me pull it up real quick. He's 3,300, and last week he saw – man, why is it taking me forever? Seven <laughs> targets. Yeah. It could be a blip. It could be maybe something a little bit more common. Like, I think we all thought Will Pauling was going to be a guy, and he really isn't. That yeah. receiver room is deep, but I don't feel like they found a stud. Is C.J. Williams that stud? I'm willing to give a sprinkle there. And then if I'm looking for a cheaper guy with – with a uh, low upside, but I feel really good about 10 to 12 points. It's Eric all, of course, the tight end yeah. for Iowa. Andrew, my buddy, Andrew over at burning the red shirt says Deacon Hill looked competent and I'll take competent for an Iowa quarterback. Andrew had a bunch of uh, Iowa overs though this year, didn't he? <laughs> overs too. Yeah. And I went on yeah. public, public radio and said, I not radio, but I, I said Iowa over on the Pat Mayo show. So yeah, that one, I think I'm still alive for it to make it to the championship. There's no way they win the Big Ten championship with Deacon Hill. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I do think the C.J. Williams play, uh, well, I'll start with All. All is a target monster for whatever that means in Iowa terms. Um, he is going to get a healthy amount of targets, and I, I have no problem playing him. Um, C.J. Williams is really interesting, too, because I think you touched on it a little bit earlier, with how that Wisconsin offense is going to overcome the injury to Shez Malusi. And one of that, one of those options is Mordecai running the ball more, but the other one is a lot more finding wide receivers in space, getting the ball uh, as an extension of the running game behind the line of scrimmage. I think CJ Williams is an interesting guy in that fashion as well. Um, and just seeing a little bit of an up uptick um, due to the injury at running back could spell more success for him moving forward so i'm i'm definitely on board with that plan i'm gonna throw out a really quickly one last name um because there is like not a ton of options that are cheap i think yeah. deontay vines is interesting to stay on the iowa theme and the only reason why i say it is it's like a it's like a catch 22 of us in a sense like he saw nine targets last game out of nowhere so like why yeah. why did that happen does he have a good connection with deacon hill like he's always gotten some good snaps yeah. So is that going to be a potential theme? The problem is he only ended with three catches for 35 yards. Yeah. So because they were coming from the quality Deacon is Hill. not necessarily <laughs> there because they are coming from the right arm of yeah. Deacon Hill. So I don't know. Do you have any interesting? I mean, Carlos Hernandez from Washington State was a guy I mentioned earlier. He feels quality, especially with that passing attack. Is yeah. there anybody else you're thinking? 
there's actually a guy in that is a part of that Washington State attack that I think if you're getting frisky um, has some juice, uh, and that's Sion Nunnally at 4100. He's a little bit more expensive than Carlos Hernandez, um, but he was a guy. So watching the Washington State spring game, they had it split in a traditional first team versus second team. And so he was on that second team offense, but he was literally the only guy who was consistently beating the first team defense for Washington state. He got peppered in that, uh, that spring game. And he's a guy that I really think could see some more usage with. I am hesitant to put a, uh, to quantitate that, that usage. Um, just because I do think that he's a little bit buried on the depth chart. He's, received one reception so far this year and he took it 62 yards to the house against Northern Colorado. Um, so if I'm the Washington state offense and the staff over there, not only is a guy who I think easily transitions into a, a, a guy who I want to get the ball um, outside of, I think, you know, uh, Josh Kelly, Kyle Williams and Carlos Hernandez. So he's, he's my off the radar guy. Um, feels weird not going with a tight end too. So I feel like I should also say Corey Deitches, the uh, Maryland tight end seems like an interesting play. Um, I hate to invest in that Maryland offense because it seems like anytime I pick a receiver, it's going to somebody else. Yeah. It's um, the wrong one. I it's the wrong episode. one. You're not yeah. alone. So uh, I don't mind him. He's, I, I lost him here on the, uh, the salary. He's, he's 4,100. So um, not super cheap, but he's a guy who Maryland's going to have to throw the ball. I think Ohio State's probably going to feel a little bit of a sweat between the 20s and then really clamp down in the red zone. So I think that he's a, a decent shot to get some targets and some some chunk yards. Okay, cool. I think we have found enough kind of a random sprinkle of, uh, of options here to help all of our different DFS players. We always end it one way. Are we are we double stacking quarterbacks? Yeah, I'm playing two quarterbacks I, this week. Yeah, you, I'm sorry. Yeah, two quarterbacks, right? I think you have to. There's yeah. too many good options in running back is weak, and uh, there's enough cheapness with Tez Walker. I'd rather go like a Tez Walker in a stud quarterback than an Eric All and a Garrett Schrader, as much as I think Garrett Schrader's a fine option. But Just give me Tez and three wide receivers in that LSU-Missouri game and double stack the quarterbacks. Let's do that. I think you could – I honestly was playing around with it. I think you could pretty easily do that. Yeah, but, <laughs> I do too. Uh, awesome. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed it. I didn't do any snazzy promo reads. Check out Home Field. Use C2, Canvas to Canton as the code. Check out Winning Edge. Check out all the different subscription ideas. If you have questions about what the subscription models are and things like that, just Slack, us, or I'm sorry, Discord us, tweet us, whatever. Like, open book will give you the right recommendation. I think even Austin prides himself on saying, I've told people not to buy the expensive option because that's not what they need, which is what you want out of a good salesman. So good job, Austin. If you're listening to this, good job. Uh, but awesome. Take a look at our Flexor Fade that's also out this week and hope you guys... Uh, have a good time this weekend. Enjoy the games.